everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. I just love you guys so much. Thank you for listening and, and rating it five stars, even the two stars. I, well, I'd rather you didn't do that, but if you got to do it, do it. Prefer the five. But uh, I love you guys just for listening and, and uh, supporting my podcast because I just love doing this. So thank you so much. And I'm going to keep doing it for as long as the world will let me. Um, I have a very, very fun guest today. She is uh, a comedian. She has performed all around the country. She was a writer on Chelsea Lately. She is an actress, a voiceover artist. Yeah. And uh, she just did a commercial for Icelandic Water that got over 14 million views online. She is also considered the Heidi Fleiss of comedy, which we will explain. The amazing and hilarious Lisa Sunstead. Hi, Rachel. Hello. I also must mention that um, you're the responsible for like 50% of my friends in LA. Oh, good. Yeah, how yeah. I have most of my friends. Nice. Yes. Lisa and I met because I took, when I first started doing comedy, I took her class, uh, Pretty Funny Women, which was life-changing because A, I learned how to write uh, a five-minute set well, uh, well, as well as I could at that stage in my career. And uh, B, I met uh, Jacqueline, Annabelle, both on this podcast. Sam Grody, she hasn't done it yet. Did I meet Dana Moon through your class? No. no. There's so many people. I don't know. It's yeah, hard to tell. I just assume. Molly Gardner. Yeah, I just assume like everyone has gone through your class. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. are female comics, but uh, yeah. How long ago was that? Four and a half, five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. I know. It's crazy. I know. So explain what Pretty Funny Women is. Pretty Funny Women, first of all, it started as a showcase at the Hollywood Improv. Mm -hmm. I started it in 1995 (laughs) at a little club called Luna Park. It was an industry showcase. Uh And I started it because a guy told me that I was too pretty to be funny. Now, this is when I was really hot in my 20s. You are really hot. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And what type of, what what guy was it? Was it like an industry guy? Was it another comedian? some random at the improv. Some guy who was like, you're a comedian. You're too pretty to be funny. And I was, I I said, that's a really funny title. I'm going to steal it. Yeah. And put together a group of my hottest friends and Mm -hmm. call it Pretty Funny Women. And we sold it out. That's crazy. So it was originally just a showcase. It wasn't a class. Just a showcase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I kept it going single-handedly by myself since 1995 and in the late 90s and the early 2000s, I had it running at the Hollywood Improv. And I literally, on one lineup, mm-hmm. would have Chelsea Handler, Tig Notaro, wow. Natasha Leggero, Maria Bamford. That's insane. Heather McDonald, um, Margaret Cho, all on one show. Wow. That's so and cool. And you can't even get those girls anymore. God, why don't they put shows together like that anymore? Well, I do. And you put shows together? I well, do put shows together. You do, with yes, yes, yes. With up-and-coming girls. Yeah, with up-and-coming girls, yeah. That nobody knows who they are yeah. today. Oh, were you saying they were up-and-coming at that time? They were up-and-coming. Oh, they were up-and-coming. Nobody up-and-coming. knew who they oh, were. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you are doing that now. When I, I guess I was just picturing they'd already made it. Yeah, when I first booked Tig, she was she had a bike. She didn't even have a car. She rode wow. a bike around town. That's and crazy. I know. And then what happened? And then what happened is... I ran it as a showcase for many years, and then I decided, you know, I want to start teaching because I want to start giving back everything I had learned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing a lot of voiceovers for a living and making great money, but it's not that rewarding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, I, it's You're not even really interacting with anyone. No, you're not. And so I thought, I want to start teaching. And I taught a class, and my first class had five students, and I taught it out of my living room in a little Mm -hmm. condo I owned. And Danielle Stewart was, do you know Danielle Stewart? Yeah. uh Yeah, she was in my first class. That's cool. Yeah. And then I just, that was about 10 years ago, 
2006. Mm-hmm. 2006, yeah. And it's been running ever since. And now, wow. you know, I have my little studio in the back of my house mm-hmm. now. And so explain what uh, explain what the class d- uh, does for, like, female comics and, like, why why you wanted to make a well because thing for female comics. It's a male-dominated field, right? Mm-hmm. And every time I'd go to an open mic, there'd be, like, 15 guys talking about their dicks yeah. or, <laughs> you know. You can say whatever you want on this podcast. masturbating. And uh, it was lonely for a woman. And I thought, you know, this would be so much more fun if there was a bunch of girls. Mm-hmm. And same with going on the road, which I've done the road and it's lonely. Yeah, it know? is really lonely. And it's, it's, well, it's fine. I mean, I've, I've done the road with, with male comics before. And that's a lot of times you're alone and then you have, there's like a two other male comics on the road. Like, that's fine. But it's so much more fun to go on the road with girls. Isn't it? So much more fun. Yeah. And uh, so this class is obviously only women. It's a safe environment. Women tend to open up more they tend to relax they can be themselves they can mm-hmm. talk about anything they want and uh we get very real and mm-hmm. as you know we get very intimate totally and people come out with a five minute set and lots of friends mm-hmm. and then i continue to do the industry showcase which you've done many times mm-hmm. at the comedy store yeah and yeah because that environment like it, you know if you, you were to take a comedy class with uh you know co-ed with guys and girls I don't think women would feel as comfortable as we do in your class to really get intimate and figure out what like those really deep jokes are, because that's what funny is, is like the stuff that's really personal. The truth is that, uh, that what's the phrase comedy plus comedy equals tragedy plus time. Yeah. there we go. So we get into our tragic past. Yeah. And you can turn it and can flip anything and make it funny. I think, I mean, I have a joke about suicide in my act. I have all my stuff's about being bipolar you yeah. Know. No, and I, I think that the per- the personal stuff is is the best kind of stuff. Yeah. It makes people just like a little uncomfortable. I think that's good. Slightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um so tell me about how you got into comedy. Did you always know wanted did you always know you wanted to be a comedian? Because you were a little kid. You grew up in San Diego. Yes. Take grew me up, way back to the Grew up in San Diego, put on shows for my family. Uh-huh. Like produced the shows in my backyard, charged <laughs> people to get in in you my were neighborhood. You always a comedy producer. <laughs> yes, I was. I was the producer and then I would write the show and star in it and I'm sure the shows were horrible because <laughs> my niece and nephews put on shows for me and they're mm-hmm. so bad. It's like, like what is this? He's the that. Hulk. She's a butterfly that they are talking to each other and they're rehearsing during the show. And I'm like, I didn't come all the way down to San Diego to see another crappy improv <laughs> show. Let's get your shit together, kids. They're like so, Aunt Lisa's me. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. I did a lot of performing, a lot of acting. And then um, I always wanted to be on a sitcom. I just wanted to be a sitcom actress. Mm-hmm. And when I was about 25, 26 years old, my boyfriend was an agent and he told me, if you want to be on a sitcom, best way to be seen by the industry is to do stand-up comedy. So I put together a five-minute set and went to open mics and just started doing it. Wow. Yeah. So you never took a class. I mean, a lot of comics don't take classes when they first start out. I mean, that's not... If there was a class, like I teach, like with a bunch of women, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. Yeah, that wasn't around then. No. What year was that? 94. Five? So 94? it wasn't, well, it's still yep. not overly welcoming of female comics, but it's a lot better now. So it was not really welcoming at all, female comics no, then? Very, very few women were doing it back mm-hmm. then. And uh, Who was around with, during that time with you? Um, Let's see. Who did I start? Well, I told you who I started oh, so with. So that was around that time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With all those all those women. Sean Polofsky, Courtney Cronin. You know, do you know these girls? I know who Sean yeah, is. I don't know who Courtney is, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, Stephanie Wilder Taylor, who's my best friend, was she's amazing. Was in the original mm-hmm. uh, first showing yeah. of Pretty Funny Women. Yeah, and you know we've been best friends ever since. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. So was it? But during that time, would you say would you say it was more difficult then than it is now for women? I well, for me, my experience, I don't find it difficult because I always create my own opportunities. Yeah. Like I, w- that's, I mean, that's how I think. But yeah, well, at the uh, there would be a lineup every every roster you would look at at the Laugh Factory Comedy Store or Improv would be twelve guys and one girl, and then the girl was going on at two a.m. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or first. Yeah, yeah, either Having one to bite the bullet. First or last. Yeah, and I I thought you know I want to do my own show. I don't want to wait for opportunities to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about stand up too, because it's so proactive, right? Mm-hmm. You can get up any night of the week. There's open mics. There's, yeah. You know, you can perform. You can be writing constantly. Yeah. And that's probably, I mean, that's how I started too, where I moved out to LA to be an actress, wanted to be in sitcoms. And then I hated just waiting for someone to hire me. Mm-hmm. And I, and then, you know, stand up as you can just truly create your own future sort world, of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I created a world where I only deal with women mm-hmm. and I very rarely do shows anymore with with men on them. Did I don't even know who the like male comics are. Did you have a lot of bad experiences with no male bad, comics? No bad experiences. It just wasn't as fun. Yeah. You know, it's just so much fun to have all these girls mm-hmm. around. And they're all so cute and young and they keep me young because I don't yeah. have kids. So it's like having <laughs> yeah. all these daughters. It is so it, it is so fun. Her, if you guys get a chance to take this class, if you live uh, in L.A. or you plan to move here and you want to get into comedy, uh, I say this is the first thing that you should do. Actually... Even if you're not sure if you want to get into comedy, make this your first class that you take and take an acting class too, sure. But this is the best way to meet like funny, nice, cool girlfriends who want to bring you along and want to bring you up. And, you know, you guys can go to open mics together or just meet some friends out of it, frankly, yeah. you know, and get out of your shell. It's a, it's a good place if, if, if you're first moving to LA to meet people and also become a comic if you want to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did you ever date male comics when you were coming up? Oh my God. Did yeah. you? You can't name I, names. I can name names. <laughs> name them. Uh, Brian Dunkelman. Okay. Was the guy that I dated. I dated Billy Gardell for a year. I know him. I mm-hmm. don't know him personally, but obviously. Mm-hmm. I went to the Chicago Comedy Festival in 1998. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was the first year of the festival. There was nobody there. That's where I met Billy Gardell. But there was, there was no industry. There was no audience. But Louis C.K., Tom Rhodes, wow. Doug Stanhope, Mitch Hedberg, uh, Billy Gardell, all these amazing comics. That's crazy. Were performing and um, me. <laughs> you were the only girl? Well, there weren't very many women. Wow. But I shared a room with Mitch Hedberg and Doug Stanhope. Oh, wow. And that was so fun. What year did Mitch Hedberg die? Shortly thereafter that, I, I would know, think. A few years later. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's sad. And he was so good. He was so, so good. funny. Was he a nice Such guy? a great writer. So nice. Oh, yes. That's sad. Really humble. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite comic? Who do I really enjoy watching? Uh, Tig. Yeah. I love Tig's sense of humor. I love her writing. I love her performance. She does a lot of tension and release, mm-hmm. right? A lot what of is, slow. Well, I, I, I can guess what that is, but like, give me a spe- like, can you think of a specific type of joke? Uh, well, Stephanie Wilder Taylor does a lot of tension and release in her act. She'll like open her uh, set up and she'll go, So my vagina's been burning. Guess we all know what that means someone's talking about it <laughs> so it's yeah very like make the audience uncomfortable slightly yeah. uncomfortable take your time 
have them kind of hanging out there like where's this going and mm-hmm. then release them with the punchline yeah okay that's what i figured but i wasn't quite sure yeah. what's your favorite type of joke style um you do a lot of bait and switch no oh bait and switches are great yeah i mean it's a guaranteed laugh it's a really hard joke to write yeah and for I those like, of but you i feel like you have a lot of those um well i try yeah i, I do try Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know what that is, um, I call it a bait and switch. It's a joke where you take the audience down a path and you have them all thinking in one direction and at the last minute you switch it up. Mm-hmm. Give me an example. Um, I Sorry got, to put you on the spot. I got carded. I mean, this is kind of what you do. For <laughs> <laughs> I got carded and the bouncer uh, took my ID and he looked at it and he looked at me and he looked at it and he started studying me up and down and he goes, come on, this can't be real. And I said, it is. I'm older than I look. And he goes, yeah, but 103 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously everyone's thinking age. Yeah, yeah. And you take it somewhere completely different. That's a bait and switch. What what is your best and worst comedy moment? Let's see. My worst comedy moment was probably my first time in Vegas. You've played Vegas. Mm -hmm. Do you find it hard? They're incredibly hard. It's so hard. Because it's people from all around the world yeah uh you do like and it's also people looking to party so they're not really like interested in like really like smart heady jokes at all it's like they want to hear jokes about getting drunk and gambling and yeah simple sex and stuff and one-liner my jokes are a little comedy not like that really yeah they don't care about alternative comedy they don't they don't care about you yeah unless you're a star yeah exactly yeah so they don't want to hear personal is really observational where did you perform there? It, was, uh, so it was called The Riv. Okay. And it doesn't exist anymore, but The Riviera. Uh-huh. And I got up on stage and my friend came with me to Vegas. We drove out and I was so excited and I did my first show and I totally ate it. I mean, I bombed so bad. No one was laughing. There was How one long p- was your set? There was one person laughing and it was my friend in the back of the room <laughs> <laughs> laughing oh at God. the situation. And she was like, oh my God. So then I... I said, shit, I got to fix this because there was a second show that night. So mm-hmm. we went to the coffee shop and I pulled out all of my impressions and physical comedy and my singing stuff. And I revamped my uh, entire act and then it worked. Yeah, they love that yeah. there. Yeah. You have to figure it out. You know, you you OK? Yeah, I just spit water over <laughs> myself. Took too big of a drink. Got real excited. <laughs> I do that. Yeah. What uh, what impressions do you have? I feel like I haven't seen you do any. Well, I used to do um, Alice Cramden from mm-hmm. The Honeymooners. Okay. Why you listen to me, Ralph? Oh, that's good. I mean, I Nothing don't... Nothing doing, Trixie. <laughs> you probably don't remember The Honeymooners. Uh, when you young. did that voice, I, I recognized that, that that character, I think. Yeah, and yeah. then I used to do... Um, oh, but I've already told you, I'm not a witch at all. Witches are old and ugly. That was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I would do a lot of singing. Yeah. Because yeah. you used to sing with Sean and all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for four years. In Where? my early 20s, that was my day job. Your day job was yeah. singing with them? Yes. I traveled uh, Not a bad day the, job. Yeah. I traveled the world with them. And actually, my first time on stage with them was at the Dunes Hotel, which doesn't exist anymore That's in Vegas. That's in Vegas as well, mm-hmm. yeah. I was on stage. I was singing to Do Run Run. Mm-hmm. My first solo, my first time on stage with this, you know, world-renowned 50s band. Yeah. And this woman in the front row had her arms crossed and she was shaking her head no through my entire song. (laughs) Why? And then like waving her hands like get off the stage. And I just thought, oh my God, what's happening right now? This woman was like so angry. And after the show was over, I said, guys, there's a woman in the front row that hates me. And they go, oh, don't worry about her. That's our fan. She comes to all our shows and she hates any new member. 
That's hilarious. Yeah. How would you even get cast to be in the Sean and Awe? Well, was, I, especially if you're if you're in your early twenties. How old were they at the time? Well, they were in their forties, yeah, fifties. But I went to Tokyo Disneyland for six months, mm-hmm. and I performed in a fifties show okay. there. And I came back, and, and you've I done saw, a lot. Yeah, I have, and I have nothing to show for it today. It's not true. <laughs> It's not true at all. You own a beautiful house. You have the, the most notable female comedy brand That's in the business. True. But you know, it never feels like enough. Oh, I think everyone feels that way. Yeah. I'm sure Louis C.K. doesn't feel like it's enough. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you were performing at Tokyo Disneyland. Tokyo Disneyland, Japan, and uh, came home, and there was a little. There was a. There used to be a magazine called Dramalogue, which is now Backstage West, but mm-hmm. it was called Dramalogue, and there was a little tiny ad at the bottom that said. Looking for a 50s singer, female 50s singers for world-renowned 50s band. Submit your headshot. So I sent my picture. He calls me. He says, uh, hi, uh, this is Scott Simon. The band you uh, inquired about which is Sean and And I was like, oh, my God. And I had no idea who they were. <laughs> I was like, this, this is amazing. <laughs> and I just lied on the phone and then did my research. <laughs> you know, we didn't have Google back then. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have anything. So I... I sang for them, and then they got, I got a call back, and it was between me and one girl, and they hired me. That is so cool. Yeah. So you toured with them for four years? Four years, yeah. My biggest gig was uh, at Boston City Hall in front of 30,000 people. Whoa. So I sang um, Holy Be My crap. Baby, to Do and Then, Where the Boys Are. I covered the 50s girl Do you have song. videos of this? Uh, I want to see. We didn't really video things back then, which is so sad. Dang it. That was only, what, the 90s? Yeah, well, we didn't, like, take a video camera around with us, which yeah. I now wish we yeah. would have. Um, there is a video of me singing on a sh- TV show with them that I'll find for you, and I'll show it to you. I would love to see it. Okay. What did you guys wear? What were your stage costumes? Oh, gold lame costumes. Oh, I mean, I don't see why you would wear anything skirts else. and... As you're on my gold couch. By the way, I'd like to mention that for everyone that comes to us and does my podcast, I did not choose to have that gigantic gold mirror above my gold couch or these uh, Game of Thrones sconces. The lady that owns this place is Greek and she put them in. There's nothing I could do about it. There was nothing you could do about it's it, It's pretty Rachel. aggressive. Well, we're already here and she was very sweet. And I didn't want her to stop me from star- stop bringing me baklava. She does that like once every couple of weeks. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I wanted to keep her ornate decor anyways um so why did you guys stop touring with that or why'd you stop uh because i'd done it for four years and i, I wasn't building my resume and i wanted to try something new and i wanted to stay and in you town had, had you been doing stand-up at all by that point no because so really so that you started at 25 doing stand-up yeah so i was like 23 24 25 26 with them then i started doing stand-up probably 26 years old i guess did your whole family think you had just made it when you were performing with sean and in front of 30,000 people. Yeah. I guess. I guess they did. They would love to come out and see me. And we used to do uh, John Esquaga's Nugget in Reno. Mm-hmm. And they would come and see me. And everything was comped. Any restaurant. You, there were seven That's restaurants. So, cool. so, so I could buy them anything they wanted. All the alcohol they wanted. So you must have seemed like a really big deal. Well, yeah, I, I guess that's, I, that's pretty I guess big for being big 22, 23. I mean, yes. that's that's very exciting. Yes, absolutely. But you didn't feel like that at the time because there's a lot of people that would get to a point. I mean, I, I mean, it seems like a big deal even now, but the, at the time for them, they, they would get to a point and think like, wow, I'm really like doing stuff. I'm wow. I've really made it. And then I'm sure most things drop off after a certain point. And then you're like, 
stunned a little bit, but you yeah. didn't seem to like get too in your head about it. You kind of just I moved on. I never felt like I was doing enough. I never yeah. felt like I was enough or, you know, I needed more on my resume. I needed to be doing TV. Mm-hmm. So did you leave the group? I did. Yeah. You were like, I got to try my solo act. Yeah. So then that's when I started doing stand up. But I used to sing in my act in mm-hmm. the beginning. You still do sometimes, don't you? Sometimes I do. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, so did you just stop singing completely or just would do I it stand up? I don't really sing anymore. I miss it. Well, why don't you do it? Well, where am Is I going to go? Is Sean and still at it? Sean and I had me about four years ago come and do oh, a I gig with them. Oh, I remember that actually. In Vegas. I yeah. actually do remember that. That was really fun. Did you, was there was a girl from Pretty Funny Women that, that went with you or, or maybe, no? To, to come with me to, no. to Vegas? Or did you do a show in LA, a, a singing show like one time in LA? No. No? Mm-mm. All right. Then I'm thinking of something different, I guess. Mm. So you they so you went back with them in Vegas about four years ago? Mm-hmm. And I did a one-nighter, and this woman came up to me after, and I sang two songs with them, and she came up to me after. She's like, hi, your first song was great. <laughs> she and then that's it? That's it. And then walked away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> thought, oh, well, I'm a little out of shape. I was out of shape. I wasn't. I didn't have the voice I used to. I had a woman come up to me in, in Vegas, which and which I did not do well at the show. I was with two male comics. I didn't do terrible, but it, it just wasn't. I'm whatever. All right. And uh, and they also only did fine as well. She was drunk, and she came up to us after the show, and she had her family with her. She was a kind of this like rich uh, older lady, and she looked at the boys. She was like, "You guys were fantastic," and then just didn't <laughs> say anything to me. And oh, then her, no. like one of her sons like hit her and was like, "Mom," and she was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. You were amazing too." Pulls out a hundred dollars and hands it to me and goes, "Here you go. I'm so sorry." I was like, "All right, I'll take the insult." <laughs> oh my god! Just gave me hundred dollars. Yeah. Did they get any money, the guys? No, but it was because she felt bad for insulting me. <laughs> nice. And you probably took it to the blackjack table and lost it. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, right away. Yeah. Right away. Yes. <laughs> but those boys were gambling too, and they didn't have an extra hundred dollars to gamble. No. So there we go. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it is funny how like people like feel very comfortable just giving you their p- opinion after a show like strangers oh yeah even if it's not a nice compliment at all no even the other night okay so we did the comedy store we had like 175 people in the whoa, audience whoa that's awesome and i did the room like, only holds like 250 yeah, yeah. it was is completely packed and i did okay so i do a lot of personal material in my act now about mm-hmm. being bipolar and mm-hmm. what it means to be in a manic episode and checking myself into a treatment center for depression and for the most part, it kills. Yeah. But the other night, it did not. Uh-huh. It was, like, not working. And I was like, fuck, I'm having a bad set. I got to fix it. I got to change it up. So I switched it up and did my material that I knew would work. Yeah. But after the show was over, I felt bad about my set. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt horrible. And <laughs> Tori Showman, bless her heart, she didn't probably didn't mean this. Yeah. But she's like, oh, my God, there was a publicist in the audience there to see me. And she said she loved me, Sam Hale, and... <laughs> she started naming off everyone in the show except me. She's like, she loved us. And I was like, great. Oh, good for yeah. you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> one of my she may have just She may have just been saying, like, just, like, saying the students. She may have not, like, been thinking you had a bad set. No, nobody knew I was a teacher. And she, I didn't get an intro. That I just got the It wasn't a Pretty team. Funny Women show? It was a Pretty Funny Women show. But yeah, but you're on the, the video at the beginning. I don't think people remember that by the time I go up towards the end. I remember the video. No? Also, also, I like the video a lot. <laughs> also, closing the show is very tough because they're dropping checks. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very hard. But you, you have to do it because you can't like make the new girls do it. Yeah, no. I guess that's the case. 
That's that's interesting. What at what point? Okay, so you're 25. You start doing stand up, and you're still dating the agent. At what point did you start to feel like, oh, I'm getting really good at this, or this is starting to get me like? Did um, it start getting you auditions? About two years in, uh-huh. and I got I got a development deal with TriStar Television. I got an agent, a manager, um, voiceover agent. Jeez. I started booking commercials and so the boyfriend wasn't your agent. He was just giving you advice. He wasn't my agent, and he wasn't going to represent me so I broke up with him <laughs> I was like well, You're what's like, the point of dating an agent are. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny and so uh yeah I moved on and but he did get me my manager which is a guy named Jason Solomon at the time and Jason got me a lot of stuff that's crazy and so things took off how did you get quickly. the development deal did they come I to did your stand they up saw they saw that pretty funny women show and they taped it oh wow and they sent it out to a bunch of people and I got like 40 meetings out of it it was it was amazing it was back in the day when they were giving out development deals but the one thing I did get was the Montreal Comedy Festival New Faces which is oh my god that's the that's the best that's the thing to do right so um I was really nervous Mm -hmm. and I wasn't ready I'd been doing stand-up two years and I thought I was ready because I had seven minutes of material that killed in LA yeah but as soon as you take your two years is pretty is pretty young to be at Montreal very young and it's also seven minutes in LA is like one minute in another country mm-hmm. and <laughs> and I did my set and before my that's set, all you had was seven minutes I probably had 10 minutes but it was like I think you did seven but you do like seven several different shows during it right yeah, or you, you do two of the same show uh-huh. on different nights but you do your same material you do, okay I see so I kind of I didn't have a good set I mean it didn't bomb yeah but it wasn't good like my best joke mm-hmm. didn't get a laugh and I think maybe now somebody might have, I, I used to have a joke, I sold it to Chelsea Handler, but I used to say, um, uh, I went out with this guy on a date, he made me laugh, he made me blush, he made me pay, <laughs> he said, I'm sorry, I forgot my wallet, and I said, really, well, I forgot my vagina, <laughs> and that was like my best joke back yeah. then, and it would kill, Yeah. and it didn't get a laugh at all really in Montreal and I and come to think of it now it's probably because somebody before me mentioned the word vagina yeah. you know if somebody mentions a word in your set yeah your joke isn't gonna work yeah unless you reference them yeah but we didn't get to see the people going on before us does that really you think make a difference if it's just one word I think so there's a lot if of girls that tell vagina jokes though in my vagina my vagina joke didn't work in Vegas when I was opening for Tom Dreesen because the MC had a joke about vagina hmm and I told Tom Dreesen, I said, you know, I can't, I can't, I, my favorite joke isn't working because he talks about vagina and he told the guy, stop doing that joke. Really? Yeah. That's isn't cool. That sweet? He seems like a nice guy. He's so nice. How far into your career were you opening for him? Um, well, it was only a, for a week mm-hmm. and it was probably five years in. It's still really cool. Yeah. He's one of the greats. I got a lot of things really fast. Yeah, it sounds like it. When I started, yeah. And I wasn't ready. I mean, I... I got a call from Billy Reback, who was a producer of Home Improvement, and he mm-hmm. said, I want you to, he was at one of my shows, he saw me perform, he said, I want you to come in and read for a new pilot to play Michael J. Fox's wife. And Jeez. I said, oh my God, okay. So I, I went in. And he had and seen your, your stand-up. So saw he, my stand-up. So he liked you for you. That's yeah. why he called me in. Yeah. And I completely blew the audition. I was too nervous. You know, nerves will just yeah, kill they'll you. kill you. Yeah, and you're nervous when you're new and green. Had you taken any taken any acting classes before? Oh yeah, I'd studied. I'd yeah. done acting, but it didn't matter because yeah. I got so nervous. It's hard nervous. when you're new. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you did get a lot of stuff really fast. I did. It's 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 a testament to how funny you are, though. It's very cool. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. 
That's very cool. Wish that would happen for me. I'm joking. <laughs> a lot of stuff happens for you. You're a hustler. <laughs> Thank you. That's one thing I love about you is how hard you work. Thank you. Yeah. They're just not throwing out like development deals like candy. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, it doesn't really happen. No. Not that it was like candy then, but like it just doesn't really happen all that often anymore. I'm, I don't even think it happens in Montreal. What um when you got a development deal, were you expected to to write a pilot and stuff, or was it just they were no, going to develop were holding, a show? They were holding. It was a holding deal. Okay. So that means they hold you over through pilot season, and they try and put you in their pod projects. Uh, okay. And they don't. You're not. So you allowed can't to audition, audition for anything else. No. But is it? It's for the whole network. So all of their pilots. Right. Yes, okay. Exactly. So it's not like you just are. Yeah. So I went. But in, still, I, I mean, that's hard. Pilots, Do they pay you a lot to be held? Fifty thousand, which is a lot of money. When it was you're a lot in your of 20s. yeah, a lot of money back then too. Yeah. That's pretty good. But I had an agent and manager, so I had to give them 10% and 15%. So it wasn't. Yeah. And then taxes. After that, it's like 2000 <laughs> <laughs> If I'm doing the math right, I think it was about $2,000. Yeah. Um, okay, so how many years did that go on where it was um, like just the, the hustling, everything's kind of coming easy? and um, Probably for the first 10 years. Wow. But then I really got a successful career doing voiceover. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, I've, I've always done stand-up and produce shows, but voiceover was my main bread and butter for a long time. It's how I bought my house. Do you do a lot of different voices? No, it was just commercials. Uh -huh. Straightforward. You I, do I, have a good voice. Oh, thanks. I used to be the voice How did you know, though, that like... Well, I know I don't have a pleasant voice. I mean, it's fine. It's good enough for this. I don't think I'm a candidate for voiceover, but how did you know, like, oh, I, I have a... A good commercial voice. Well, because I knew that I was funny. If you're funny and you sing, mm -hmm. those are good backgrounds to have for voiceover. Yeah. And um, I was a good actress, and a lot of voiceovers are acting. If yeah. you listen to the radio, it's commercials. Yeah, totally. You know? But I, I was the voice of Vons and Safeway stores. For oh, you probably made a years. lot of money on that. Yes. <laughs> now you got a house uh, out of it. And I would say, uh, Vons, ingredients for life. You see... That was I my tagline. Vons, ingredients for life. Oh, but listen to this now, Rachel. It wasn't good. Listen to this. So for 15 years, what, I made my living doing voiceover? Mm -hmm. I haven't booked a job in two years. That's not that bad. Well, actually, I did one job last year. Uh huh. I, was the, I narrated a series for FYI Network. But, but one job in two years? That's not too bad, though. That's horrible. I was booking like two to three jobs a week. Two to three jobs a week? Yes. Holy crap. Yeah. What changed? I think celebrities are doing it now. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Most it's commercials are celebrities' voices. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, everyone wants to do voiceovers. Yeah. And so it's just Seems like a pretty out. good gig. There's a lot of people. It's a fun gig, but, you know, it's not, it's not my focus anymore. My focus is building my brand and my business yeah. and my teaching. And now, during that time, like the 10 years where, uh, you know, everything was coming and all that, were you ever thinking like, oh, I'd like to get married and have kids? Or was it just all career, career, career? Career, career. career. I never wanted to get married, never wanted to have kids until, mm -hmm. until I got sober. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're out there partying and drinking, it's the last thing on your mind. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't be thinking about that. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, uh, I got to think about where my next cocktail is. Yeah, exactly. And then when I got sober, I got sober at age 40. I'll be 50 this year. Can you believe that? I You don't look anywhere near, barely 40, maybe. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay, actually, that's pretty crazy. So I got sober, and then when I was like 42, I was like, I really know I want to get married and have a baby. And yeah. I was too old to have a baby, so I couldn't. Is 42 too old? I couldn't get pregnant. I tried. Yeah. And then um, after that, I was like, eh, I don't want to have a baby what anymore. What get, get try to get pregnant with? Well, no, I did get pregnant by a miscarriage. Oh, I see. And I was with this guy, and he was 13 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, a big pothead and I was sober. So that's appropriate. Yeah. That'll be, that'll <laughs> work. Know? Yeah. And thank God I, it didn't work out. Yeah. And I have my boyfriend now, which I'm super happy. Oh yeah. He's lovely. Yeah. And he has a kid. So. Do you, so you get to hang out with that kid? Well, yeah, and he's a nice kid. You know, yeah. he's 19, 20. He's not a kid. Yeah. But, yeah he's know. older. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you, okay. So what point do you realize you need to get sober? Because you, you, you have an interesting history of, you know, you've already talked about like your bipolar and stuff. When did you realize like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Or like, maybe that's not normal. Drink? Well, all of it. I would self-medicate. For, I was diagnosed bipolar when I was 28. Oh, I didn't realize it happened so young. 28. I I went into... I was... Oh, I thought it happened like much later for some reason. I no, I suffered from debilitating depressions mm-hmm. um, for my, a lot of my 20s mm-hmm. where I couldn't get out of bed. Oh, wow. And so I went to a gynecologist and I told him about my depression and he goes, oh, let me put you on Paxil. So he Your put, gynecologist is able to... Because to he thought to it was PMS. Oh, okay. I was like... So he gives me this, your gives me a drug called Paxil, uh-huh. and, and within a week I was fully manic, and I wrote, produced, and starred in a one-woman musical called Make Room for Lisa. That's how <laughs> manic I was. Did you perform it? I sure did, and I packed the house every night. Well, Six hundred people came and saw Make Room well, for so Lisa. Well, so clearly it was very good. No, I was just out of my mind, like out until three it, or four in the morning, handing out flyers to you people. You convinced six six hundred people to come. Yeah, because I did six shows, a hundred people per show. <laughs> That's amazing. But I was out of you my mind. You did all of this in a week? No, no, not a week. I after a week of taking the med, I went manic. I did it in a three month period, though. That's funny. So, when you're uh, if you're bipolar, you're not supposed to be given. Paxil? Paxil well, no. is a depressant. Paxil is a serotonin. Oh, and, okay. And no, I wasn't supposed to, But that's how they diagnosed me. Yeah. Because I went manic. And he goes, uh, when I went back to see him, he said, oh, my God, you need to be on lithium immediately. You're bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You just told him the symptoms. You were like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't stop blowing guys. And I'm gambling <laughs> and flying off to Vegas. And I'm buying things. And I'm, I haven't, don't need to sleep anymore. I just was talking a mile a minute. And he said, oh, my God. He, how long would your manic wave stay up? Doesn't it go up and down, yeah, obviously? Yeah, three to four months. Oh, you would stay manic for that long? Mm-hmm. And then how long? Crash for four months. Oh, man. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people with um, bipolar love that manic stage so much that they don't want to be medicated. Oh, my God. It's the best. Yeah. Well, actually, the best is not the manic. It's called hypomanic. Uh-huh. And uh, it's what I named my company. Hypomania. Uh, Hypomania yep. Productions. Yeah. Because you are able to function at a very high level and get a lot done and you don't need much sleep and you're super creative. You get lots of ideas, lots of energy. You have unwavering faith. Bipolar disorder. You have all this confidence uh-huh. and you think everything, you, you think you're invincible. You think you can do anything. And then when it gets, when you stop sleeping, you get to the manic state where you start making really bad decisions. In one of my episodes, I bought a house and I already had a house. Oh my God. So What'd you do? My realtor was trying to talk me out of it. And I said, <laughs> he said, can you afford this? I said, sure can. Just going to manifest it using the secret. And I was just like off and running. I had three houses at one time I owned. Did it, were you able to afford it or did you just sell them or what, what I happened? made it work and I rented them out and then I got a bunch of roommates living in my house that I live in yeah. now. And I just, I don't know. I somehow made it work, but I sold the other two properties. Now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, do you feel like when you were hypo uh, manic, do you think other people could tell or do they just think, wow, Lisa's killing it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think you seem a little high. My boyfriend tells me now. Mm -hmm. I don't realize it. Really? I just, I just oh, it also I'm, happened to you? It's Oh, yeah. Even with the, the medication? Time. Yep. Mm -hmm. It happens if I get too stressed out. Like if I get a writing job. Uh -huh. Every time I get a writing job, I go manic. Yeah. I went full-blown manic on Chelsea lately. Really? I, I had to leave the show. Yeah. So so uh, your boyfriend thinks you just seem a little high, like, yeah, like, he's like marijuana high? He's, he's or like, like you're running hot. You're, you're, you're talking f too much. You're not sleeping. You're, you're getting manic. And That's I'm so like, no, I just feel great. This is like my natural state of being. <laughs> and I, th I think everything's fine, but it's not because <laughs> I'm like, you know, getting on everyone's nerves. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen you like that, but. No, you haven't. What, uh, but you, you feel happier when you're, when you're medicated, like you would never want to be. Well, we, well, you still get some of it. It's, well, I it still peaks through I a little bit, even with the medication. That state. that state would be ideal. Yeah. But the problem is, is that you can't sustain that mm -hmm. and there's always a crash yeah I and guess then that makes sense and then depression and is you just, the polar do you have to sleep a opposite. lot because you didn't sleep during the mm -hmm. other time yeah and then you have no ideas and you're like blocked and you're so sad and mm -hmm. you just don't want to live it's awful this explains uh most uh comedians and artists <laughs> yeah a lot I of mean, people are undiagnosed running around out there yeah it's it's true it's really true um but you feel better now. You're I feel good. Yeah. I, I do a lot to take care of myself, though. Like, I'm yeah. sober. Yeah. When did you get sober? I got sober in 2007. Mm hmm So I'll be 10 years this June. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I don't and know why I also assumed that was longer. I don't know. I, I don't drink. Um, I quit smoking. Do you ever wish, do you ever miss drinking? Or you just kind of I do it? miss it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I miss like having a glass of wine, but I never had a glass of wine if I'm honest yeah. with myself, <laughs> you know, I had like half a bottle or a bottle. Yeah. So, um, but I have a psychiatrist, I have a therapist, I have yeah. a sponsor. I <laughs> do you I still go to the, stay in the program? Mm -hmm. Do you go to like oh, meetings yeah. and stuff? And now I'm going to nicotine anonymous meeting. I got smober. I didn't know you ever smoked. Yes, I started smoking cloves because apparently it's 1980. What are what are cloves again? <laughs> cloves are like um, flavor. They're like they taste like cloves, uh -huh. but they, they and they have nicotine. Oh in them? Oh God, they're so bad for you. Really, it's awful. I just quit like a hundred days ago. I didn't know you smoked. Mm -hmm. But you didn't start that long ago either. No, a couple okay. years ago. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, what can I test out? Started back up again. Yeah, I'm just an addict. I can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I do it addictively. Yeah. yeah. Most addicts are that way. Most addicts can't just have one thing. You're not an addict, are you? No. Oh, you're lucky. I don't I don't think so. I mean, I got surgery on, um, you know, my, my hand surgery, and I never, I mean, I took the Percocet, like, right out of the surgery because I was in pain, but I never felt the need to take it ever again. Oh, my God. Yeah, it wasn't. So you had Percocet in your apartment and didn't take no. it? I still have a shitload of Vicodin in here. Oh, my God. Someone's going to rob me. Yeah. I'll throw them away. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't feel the need to take it. I mean, I certainly like to drink, but I don't think I am actually a drunk. Because like, I can just have one glass of wine and just be like, I don't really feel like drinking anymore. That's nice. But I, I do, I, like I do very much enjoy drinking. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I, I used to really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a blast. <laughs> it's a good time. It's not so fun to drink on stage. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't really, <laughs> I mean, I can have like one or two or so, but nothing. Because I, I don't speak clearly sober i mean i have like a little <laughs> bit of a speech impediment so you do uh i mean i they told my parents that when i was a kid and then i just never did anything about it uh but not like bad 
but one or two cocktails and trying to do comedies. No, can't do it. Well, one, one or two is fine, but anything more than that, no. Yeah. And I won't even be drunk off that. It's just I, my voice will start mumbling. No, I've never noticed that. Oh, well, that makes me feel I'm better. I'm going to notice it now. Oh, well, now, yeah, you're gonna, that's all you're going to pay attention to this whole time. But now my big thing is gambling, which you and I have talked about going yeah. to play blackjack <laughs> together. Now you can't? Well, well you're going to meetings, so I, I don't want to. I went to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting because I was like, this is, a, how many 12-step programs do I have to be a part of? This is getting Do you ridiculous. have a punch card? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the credits don't transfer. Yeah. So one program doesn't mean doesn't, yeah. that you're fixed in the other. But I I said, no, there's no way I'm quitting gambling. I can't. Yeah. I love it too you much. you got to have one vice, I yes, guess. Exactly. you got to have something. Yeah. Who else are you going to do? <laughs> you you take care of yourself. You're fine. Yeah. Um, what is your What is your ultimate goal, you know, in the entertainment industry? Or in life, both? Well, I would like to get married. My boyfriend does not want to get married. He's been married twice. Yeah, well, I don't blame him. Yeah, and he's had horrible experiences with it. Yeah. So it would be nice to be married. Or actually, I tell him I don't even need to be married. I just want the ring. Yeah, you could just, just be, be like a ring. Per- yeah. And yeah, you don't like, want to split that up. leads to marriage. You don't want to split up your assets either. No, I don't. I, oh, there's somebody at your door. Oh, sweet. It's my Costco delivery of waters. <laughs> That was the bottle of water I was supposed to offer you when it didn't arrive in time. Um, so you'd like to be married. But yeah, but I, I, I don't feel like you, you're so successful. It probably wouldn't even make sense for you to get see, married. See, that's so funny that you think I'm successful because I don't see myself as successful. Because I compare myself to the people I started with who have their own TV shows or they're touring, headlining, they're yeah. selling out. But you could be doing that. You don't really want to do that anymore. Um, you don't really, I don't think you really pursue that anymore. Well, I would like to sell a TV show. I've pitched many. Oh, sell a TV show. I'm talking about like touring and like doing, selling out, you know, you, oh my God, it would be so great to not have to do a bringer show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I know. But to be able to show up and have people there to see you. Yeah. That's a dream. Yeah. But, but if you, if you wanted to do that, like is, you know, you would be, Hanging out in the clubs, trying to get on stage. You don't want to do that. Yeah, you're right. I don't. Because you made mu- so much money doing voiceover and writing and stuff. Like, you didn't necessarily need to do that. Yeah. No, I don't. I guess I don't. You're right. Yeah, you'd be rather be in your nice house with your boyfriend, <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> I don't want to drive over the hill. <laughs> but it'd be nice to have a show on the air. Well, yeah, but that, that still will probably happen. Yeah. Probably soon. I, uh, I, I hope know. you're right. Yeah. Um. So that's your ultimate career goal, that ultimate life goal. What advice would you have for any aspiring, um, it could be any comic, but let's stick with female comics because, mm-hmm. or just all comics, whatever. But uh, any like, yeah, what's your advice for aspiring female comics, writers, or actors? Well, uh, if you're a comic, you're also a writer, which mm-hmm. means you have to be writing every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had somebody say to me once, well, I would like to, I would do stand-up comedy if somebody else would write my material. And I said, yeah, that's called acting. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so you have to write every day and you have to be on stage. It's yeah. It's like horseback riding, right? You can't learn by watching. You have to be on that The horse. stage time, I think. Well, I mean, writing is very impor- obviously very important because you have to have something to stay on, stay on stage. But the stage time for me is, I feel like, just what, what mm-hmm. makes me better. And even if there's two people in the audience, you're still learning something that mm-hmm. night. You're still learning how to connect, how to mm-hmm. be conversational, yep. how to deal with the room the way it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Any stage time anywhere yeah. is. Open mics are great. Yeah. People think they're hard and they are hard. Yeah. They're actually harder than shows because yes. the audience is other comics who aren't paying attention to you or or are mad if you're funny or not funny or whatever. They just 
Mm-hmm. I know. But if you can get them to listen, then mm-hmm. you're on to something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess that's, yeah, because comics are the hardest critics. Yeah. So your advice for aspiring female comics is write and get on stage as much as possible? And I would tell any female comic to take my class. Mm-hmm. Just take it. You'll learn how to write a joke. You'll walk out of there with a five-minute set. You'll get a videotape from it. Mm-hmm. And now I have an ongoing intermediate advanced class, mm-hmm. too. So you can continue to work on your craft and you can be seen at the comedy store main room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's, in it's the so circle. great. Yeah, and it gives you it gives you confidence and and well and also your 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 um part of your thing is you you want you want girls to wear dresses on stage and stuff. Explain that stuff too. Oh well, you haven't okay. explained so that part be- yet because of my background because I come from a showgirl background. Mm-hmm. I worked on cruise ships in Vegas and yeah, Sean and on. We always wore dresses and did your hair and your makeup and mm-hmm. you looked your best. Yeah, and that is my philosophy about performing. I mm-hmm. feel like you should be the best dressed person in the room. Yeah, people are paying fifteen bucks to get in. They're buying two drinks. They're hiring babysitters yeah. to come out. They're paying for parking. Like, why wouldn't you dress up for your audience? I just think female comics got in a place where they felt uncomfortable hanging at the comedy club or they felt like people were, maybe guys were, I don't know. I, I've actually got, I, I wish I I wish I still felt comfortable wearing a dress on stage. I, I, I'm like now in that annoying thing where I, I won't, I can't do it. Well, it, for me, for pretty funny women, it's a brand, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is what I'm selling. This is what yeah. I'm offering the audience like yeah. pretty girls who are funny yeah and everybody looks really pretty when they put on a dress oh and of course and, and yeah and all the girls in your class are always so pretty and I cute know. And, yeah. and everybody looks so sexy and I love it yeah I, I love oh like, I love it for the brand yeah and I wish yeah. I still felt confident doing it you know not even doing why it, do you not feel you should be able to wear anything on stage I think I am to be honest taken I don't know I I know it's just me I just don't feel as comfortable probably because you're like hanging out with move. a lot of guys yeah. When you hang out with a lot of guys, it's hard to you lose. I think that's what happens with a lot of women in mm-hmm. comedy. They start with men in these open mics mm-hmm. and they start to emulate these guys. Yeah. And they start to kind of like sound like a guy comic. Yeah. No, it's true. And also like if I'm going to if I do, you know, a couple sh- like a show at the comedy store or, you know, show somewhere else that night, like I and I'm kind of having to hang out in between. I'm going to feel really weird standing there in like a dress and heels. Oh, well, I wouldn't necessarily wear a dress for every show. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I only wear them on Pretty Funny Women. Be- yeah, yeah. Or like, a, or like maybe like a Vegas show or like, yes. or your comedy special or something. Yes. All the girls do that. But yes, we did Vegas. Me, Sean Polofsky and Shay Matosh did Vegas for, and we opened for a nude like it was, it was called fantasy. It was like a topless review. Oh, that's hilarious. And we were the opening acts, and we all wore dresses and. Oh, for that, that's awesome. Yeah, to you gotta sexy. do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think any like casino showroom, you're supposed to be dressed nice. I mean, I just yeah. did the Laugh Factory in Reno, and I, I didn't wear a dress, but I was dressed nice. I wasn't wearing my normal like jeans and a band T-shirt. I was like, you know, yeah. I had a, a nice silk shirt on and heels and I jeans. love it when you dress up because you're oh, so gorgeous thank you and you 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 know you are the total package thank you and why wouldn't you want to be seen looking your best in this town because you never know who's out there there's always that's casting, true that's true network executives managers agents All right, I'll try to dress a little nicer <laughs> I mean I you would want to look your best right yeah I mean, even Amy Schumer wears a dress on all her shows yeah that's true. The reason she she said the reason she wears a dress is because she thought, well, these guys probably aren't going to listen to what I have to say, but at least they'll think I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, maybe that's a good that's a good method. I like that. All right, I should I should get back into wearing dresses. Well, I'll wear one in San Diego. Will oh, you? let's talk about that. So, um, you explain. Okay, so we're doing Pretty Funny Women at the La Jolla Comedy Store, Yay. which is 916 Pearl Street in La Jolla. It starts at 8 o'clock on March 8th. It's a Wednesday night. Guys, come see day. us. Come on out. I've got even if it's like an hour drive away. I know I have a lot of you that live near San Diego or even come down from L.A. We've got <laughs> nine girls performing, so you get to see nine girls do ten minutes of material. It's going to be so fun. And it's a great room. And it's the world-famous comedy store. it's La Jolla. Store. It's so yeah. classy. That'll and it's fun. my favorite room in the country. So that's March 8th. Pretty Funny Women, La Jolla Comedy Store. You can get your tickets now. Are they on, online, online at, at yes. the comedy store? Mm-hmm. La Jolla.com? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So go get tickets, guys. Please. Yeah, come see us. And if you come, I'll we'll we'll hang out afterwards and you know, it'll be fun. Let's do it. You can get pictures with yeah. Rachel in her dress. <laughs> in my dress. <laughs> and maybe you can sign up for a pretty funny women class. <laughs> um so in terms of pretty funny women, do you like do you like teaching as much as you like performing? Do you get as I much like out of it more. or is it a different Really? Yes. Wow. As a matter of fact, every time I do a show, I think, I'm not going to go up tonight. I'm just going to watch. Yeah. And my boyfriend always says, you have to go up. It's your show. You got to close the show. Yeah. You're the teacher. But I don't really care about it as much as I do. Like, I love teaching. It's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Giving back and then watching these girls grow from, you know, the the main thing I get, I get a lot of thank you cards. Mm -hmm. And the main thing every girl says is I, I got so much confidence. Yeah. Just confidence in life. And mm-hmm. most of them, 90% of them don't even want to do stand up. They just yeah. take my class for confidence. It for is the so acting careers. It is so cool. The last show I did of yours. I mean, it was all newer, mostly newer girls, except for like Tammy and a few other people, but the, the newer ones. And I've been doing it a while. It was really cool to see like how excited they were for their first and Backstage. second show. Like, yeah. but it's cool. I mean, they're all like buzzing about it. Like the feeling of like, these like like cool gorgeous girls are going to get on stage and do stand up comedy for the first time. Like that's probably something they never thought they were going to do. Yeah, it's 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 something I really recommend all of you guys try. Um, oh, I, for, I forgot to ask you, what was your other? I said, uh, uh, what was my your, worst experience on stage? No, no, no. Well, I forgot. I wanted to hear your best one, and then I also wanted to hear your advice. You just gave it for comics and writers. Your advice for actors, for actors and voiceover artists. Oh. Well, voiceover, um, you have to get a demo reel mm-hmm. for sure. And you it's not about the sound of your voice. It's about your acting. Okay. Did, did you think they need to develop characters or? Uh, well, no, that's animation. That's a whole different uh-huh. world. Okay. I never got into animation because like mm-hmm. the same five girls do all the cartoons. Yeah. It's really hard to break into animation. But for voiceover, you want to be an actor and you want to um, get a demo reel. And there's lots of talk shop in um, Sherman Oaks. We'll put together a demo reel for you. They're a good price. And Do they you have recommend all the taking copy. a class for yes? If voiceover? you've never done, it, if you're an if you're an actor, you mm-hmm. don't need a class. Yeah, because you'll figure it out. Yeah. But if you've never done anything and you want to get into voiceovers, which most people do, most yeah. people love the thought of it. Yeah. Um, you have to take a class. How about uh, acting? What's your advice for some aspiring actors? Want to move to L.A.? I would take Leslie Kahn's class. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah. I just went and taught at her studio. Oh, cool. You taught like a stand-up class there? Yeah, she had me come and teach stand-up. I was teaching one in Santa Monica. Oh, that's awesome. In February at the end of the month. And she is so cool. Yeah. She's one of the coolest women 
and her uh, classes are packed and yeah. and and her girls her her actors men and women work mm-hmm. they work on shows they work on tv yeah that's yeah. awesome cool um all right then what's your bet what was your best comedy moment or My you can or entertainment industry moment. moment well you can say both well like i said that that one gig that i did at boston city hall that's so cool. for 30,000 people yeah. it was pretty cool I, I turned 30, around to the guy people. to the sound guy and I said to him I said there's a lot of people here huh he goes estimated 30,000 and I said oh my god did you get really nervous so cool. or were you just excited I was so excited that I is so nervous. cool no let's see what was my best oh my best stand-up shows are for AA conventions really yes sober audiences are the best have you ever done one of my sober shows mm-hmm Oh, I'll have you on. You don't have to be sober to do it. Okay. But um, I'm doing Laughlin, uh, headlining Laughlin, Nevada in uh, in May, May 18th cool. and 19th. I'd love to do one with you. Yeah. I won't talk about drinking at it. <laughs> well, you can talk about that. Oh, okay. They relate to that. Oh, okay. You know? But I'll put you on one of my shows. You'll yeah, love it. Fun. You'll have a good time. That'd be really fun. Well, they're very grateful uh-huh. and they don't drink and they they just want to have fun. Yeah. And so they listen. Yeah. That's kind of how doing like the military tours are. It's yes. just, they're just so excited to see you perform. Yeah. They're paying attention. Yeah. I did a USO tour and I had to open, I went with these two guys, Kevin Jordan and Spanky. Mm-hmm. And they made me open the show, of course, because I was a girl. Yeah. yeah, of course. Naturally. And I was doing stand up for like um, 25 children who didn't speak English <laughs> and their parents. <laughs> in this country that's crazy uh micronesia kids in my shows yet because it's mostly just been there's been a couple like girlfriends or wives there but it's mostly just been the military that's great yeah it was fun for you it was really fun um what uh what what have some of your students gone on to do not uh, not like heather and 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 chelsea and all that they're they're never my students right so jessica michelle singleton's kicking out oh she's doing awesome yeah i gotta have her on my podcast yeah she's great um let's see who else well danielle stewart hosted the porn awards yeah so i didn't know that that's yes. cool um let's see kimry davis is on scandal yeah i was gonna say kimry i was trying to think of her name yeah and kimry, kimry does she's a always lot doing of a lot of stuff still. yeah and angel lakita moore is doing really well uh-huh. um let's see i was annabelle annabelle, annabelle wrote for joan rivers on fashion police mm-hmm. now she's got a successful podcast yep mm-hmm think megan granger was one of your students too right yep mm-hmm. she yeah she's i think she's writing some like she's writing promos for nbc yeah. and she's selling shows yeah yeah a lot of my students are, are writers now or hosting shows mm-hmm. and oh jacqueline's killing it obviously too and she's i have a lot podcast. of students right now who have huge social media followings mm-hmm. look at sid wilder right yeah yeah and then i have this student in my class right now her name's udos uh-huh she has 4.5 million followers on instagram From what just hustling and she's beautiful and she does funny sketches that's awesome yeah that's so cool um maybe last question i don't know let's we can chat more though but do you think um do you think people are born with being funny or are are born with the talent to be comedians or do you think it can be taught or do you think someone has to be naturally funny i think or is a combo naturally funny you do i do and I, a lot of girls take my class who aren't naturally funny, but mm-hmm. they can learn to put together a five-minute set, and mm-hmm. I can help them write jokes, and yeah. they, can, they can get out there and learn to write a joke. But 
can they sustain it? Could they do crowd work? Could they stand up yeah, there and improv with the audience? Yeah, you I have guess to that's be able true. And my one bit of advice is to you, if you want to be a comic, um, if you're a funny person and you're walking around all day, you're probably being funny all day. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you say something funny mm-hmm. in a group of people and they laugh, you just wrote a joke. So write it down. It's not it does it. But it doesn't necessarily mean the joke's ready yet, but it's something funny and you need to craft right. it into a joke. Yeah, right. there's something there. If people are laughing, there's something there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Really, and I'm so excited for our show on March 8th. March 8th, La Jolla Comedy Store. Be there. 8 p.m.? 8 p.m. Doors open at 7.30? Yep. Awesome. (laughs) Two drink minimum, (laughs) but no maximum. Yeah. (laughs) You can drink water if you you don't want to drink a drink, but it's fine. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yes, thanks for having me, Thank you guys for listening. I love you all. Lisa, tell us where the, my listeners can find you, your social media. Oh, go to prettyfunnywomen.com and then at prettyfunnywomen for Instagram and then pfwomen for Twitter, which I don't do very often. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> but my website can, has a lot of information. And you can sign up for classes on there. Mm-hmm. Prettyfunnywomen.com. Okay. Awesome. And as you guys know, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rachel N. O'Brien. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. And email me your thoughts at info at rachelobriancomedy.com. Or, you know, also if you want to ask Lisa some more questions, you can email me there and I can forward it to her. And, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.